Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. New breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. We'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. Hey, Quentin, it's wonderful to have you on TechTastic. I'm really excited about your company, Capri AI. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being on. Thanks so much for having me, man. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? I started actually building it over three years ago now, late 2019. Basically, the reason it got started was because I was actually running a marketing agency for dentists. That was kind of like my venture into the online sales world. 2019, with a buddy of mine who had experience with it, we started a digital marketing agency, basically running social media ads for dentists all around the US and Canada. The biggest thing that we just kept noticing that people kept telling us is that like, hey, you know, you're running these ads and people are filling out their information, but then nobody's actually showing up. It's not turning into actual value for us. And we were like, man, like that's not good. You know, like that's really bad for our business. And so we, we kept losing people. And so we just kept digging, you know, we dug deeper and we saw that like, in fact, that wasn't the case. It was just that the dentist would call one time or somebody from their office would call like one time or send one text and then not get a reply or not get an answer and then be like, yeah, these leads are crap. And it's like, oh, okay. So if it doesn't answer right then and there, that's it for you. So then we realized that we just needed to have more automated texting involved. And so that was kind of the beginning of it. And we were using a CRM at the time that had automatic texting that would send messages as soon as a lead came through. We would immediately send them a text. And then we were like, all right, cool. This is going to solve the problem. It was the same thing. None of these, these leads are no good. Like none of them are <laughs> responding, yada, yada. We were like, man, seriously? And so we would look and it turns out it's the same exact thing. People were replying and we could see it now on the CRM, but the dentist or just weren't replying. Like nobody was sending them a message, trying to call them, get them booked for an appointment, anything like that. Damn, we got to do even more work. <laughs> so then we started <laughs> with a human to just, that's all they did is just call and text every lead that we got and it improved dramatically. We stopped losing our clients. We started seeing a lot of results for them that really helped us stop churning so many clients so fast but then the va got overwhelmed you know she the too many leads there's too many text messages too many calls i can't like i can't keep up with it then me being an engineer i was like all right i'm gonna find a software solution for this or make one if it doesn't exist and that was kind of the start and so i found dialogue flow at the time if you ever heard of dialogue flow it was built by google <laughs> Yeah, kind of. It was a software that they bought from another startup, but it was built off of the foundational work that DeepMind, Google's DeepMind, their research team did research in natural language, which a lot of people are probably a little bit more familiar with now, but it's just the science of turning human language into a computer readable format. The paper was called Attention is All You Need, and it introduced this really cool thing called a transformer architecture. And this model came out, this large language model called BERT. You might've heard of it if you've kind of been oh, yeah. studying some of this stuff for a while. Yeah. But if you're not familiar with it, it stands for bi-directional encoding representation from transformers. It basically was a new way of training these general purpose language models to understand the semantic meaning of a sentence. Before this, if you try to ask a computer 
language model or just an AI model to tell me from a meaning perspective, you have, let's say you have three sentences. You have the brown fox jumped over the fence, the white fox jumped over the fence, and the brown cow jumped over the moon. Now, these three sentences, I need you to rank them in order of which ones are most similar on a semantic similarity scale. So basically, which one is, means more of what the other one means? Like, which one is closer to it? Yeah, the, obviously so like, the first two. Right. Well, that's you think, right? But if you break it down <laughs> into what a computer sees, a yeah. computer just sees the words initially. So the computer sees brown fox, brown cow. They share the same color or that word is in common. Let's say jumped. That's in common. Jumped over. The animal is different. But so if you look at just the actual words, the syntactical representation, and you do math on that, the syntax is going to come out to basically say all three of them are roughly the same. They all kind of have the same meaning. But then if you put it through a transformer model that has deeper understanding or just more parameters, it's going to understand that the first two sentences are a little bit closer because they're talking about the same animal. And so an animal has a more important semantic weight, carries more importance in that meaning meaning of that sentence than the color or the action or the object that the action is happening to. These are just grammar rules and we just know this because we speak English. Computers don't. Computers can only really understand syntax. They can only understand characters and words and numbers. Yeah, they have no context at all. Right. This challenge, that's what this transformer model did, is it, it created a way to mathematically prove to a machine learning model that the first two sentences are more similar. If we look at what each word in the sentence, what the purpose of it is, and you look at how the purpose of that word relates to the meaning of the sentence, right? We all know that the has almost no semantic importance. It, all, it, all it tells us is that there is one, unless the next word is the group or the whole or the lot. The on the mass scale of language doesn't have that much semantic importance. The next word, the animal, fox or cow, has a pretty big importance on what the overall sentence means. Jumped has a very high importance because it's an action, but it's the same across all three. And yeah, it doesn't give you any additional. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so like each of these things hold unequal amount of weight. And you can only know that if you do this thing called masking. I just, I get, I get nerdy about this stuff. So the whole reason that's even important is that before that, the only way for me to tell a bot that somebody is asking for the address of a dentist office is for me to, from a syntactical point of view, say, if they say this phrase, that means that, that means that they're looking for the address. So therefore you should return this response, which is the address of, of the practice. Let's say Yeah. the problem is, let's say I'm in a conversation with the bot and I say, I found the address online and I, it should take me about 20 minutes to get there. So from a semantic point of view, we both know that that is, does not require me to send you the address, but from a syntactical right. point of view, if my filter is set up such that if they say address, <laughs> then I need to send them the address. Like that's a question, essentially. It's not them telling me something. There's no semantic way of me differentiating between it. Like they say address unless they they meet, they say it in this way. So that was the fundamental problem is like, that's why I couldn't have a chat bot that was any good that could do this appointment setting for me and do the sales for me is because there was just not enough stuff for me to tell the system. So then when Google came out with Dialogflow, it changed that because now they gave you a machine learning and AI way to tell the five, six, seven different ways that somebody might ask for the address. 
if the semantic representation matches what you've trained it on, it's going to flag and say, yep, this is a question for the address, not a statement about me finding the address, but this is a question asking for the address. So this requires you to return the answer. And because of that, we were able to build the top 10, 15, 20 most common questions in order of how they're normally going to be asked whenever somebody wants to come to like a dentist office. Yeah. And we were able to have the chat bot take over that conversation entirely. Our booking rate went from like 15 to 20% to like 50% instantly. Huge jump. Huge jump just by having such so much more engagement from the bot and have so much more conversation handled automatically. To your point on that, like not having to rely on a human being, which is going to have a delayed reaction just because they're probably involved in 15 other calls at the same time. Right. Like there's tons of advantage on speed that goes with it. Right. Well, and what's really fun is you got involved in AI a little bit ahead of the curve, like practical application of AI and started an entrepreneurial journey that involved it ahead of the curve, you know, doing it in 2019 with your uh, marketing agency for dentists, like you're ahead of the curve compared to most people. A lot of times in customer support, you'd have chat bots and stuff like that. They were starting to become embedded in products, but you took a space that you were at and the struggles that you were dealing with and applied this technology really ahead of the curve. And so thank you for sharing your story with us. What I think the audience would be really excited to hear about is that journey that you went through. Like you'd started a, a marketing agency that was focused on dentists, which is a nice tech, narrow market, but you've got a nice segment that's not necessarily tech capable. They tend to be Luddite and you're providing a product for them that uh, almost required them to have a certain amount of technical proficiency. If they're gonna get a bunch of online leads in the form of you know, like social media ads or pushing people to a website or a contact form, they're not necessarily gonna be able to handle that. And in doing that, you learned a lot of lessons along the way and like absorbed the pain of that and figured out ways and that led you to an eventual AI-based solution. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, so I did, I did find the solution for myself first and then it was also a lot of timing. So, you know, you'll always hear with entrepreneurial journeys, timing does have to, does have a lot to do with it. COVID had just launched all the shutdowns, everything had just happened right, right when I was just kind of polishing up the first version of Capri using Dialogflow. Oh, brutal. And yeah. And so like we lost all of our client pretty much over, you know, over a couple of days, it was really hard to see that. But then we saw that there was this really common risk reversal pricing method going around where you basically say, hey, look, you don't pay me on a retainer like we normally do, where you have to pay me every single month. You only pay me for the performance. So you only pay me for every appointment that gets actually booked on your calendar. So that way you don't have to worry about people don't respond to the ads. They don't come in. You know, you don't have to worry about any of that. Like we'll run the ads. Our system will do the booking for you and whatever you get, that's, you know, that's what you pay for. And uh, we had huge popularity and we were only able to do that because we had a chat bot that was actually able to handle the majority of the conversations that were coming through. Now, I'm curious though, because you, you're putting a, I mean, you're taking the big risk there. They might not even have their office open and they're getting a whole bunch of inbound ads right. that you know, people wanted and you're still paying for those ads. How did that yeah. math pencil out for you? Well, we always charge them for their own ad spend. So what but with that particular case, what we ended up doing is charging just one time upfront fee to set up the system. And that was kind of how we maintained some sort of cash flow. And then they paid for their own ad spend and we lowered the minimum required amount that we had for how much you had to pay for the ad spend. 
Uh, we used to require a lot and we reduced it down. And then we also opened up the type of advertising we were doing. So we were we were only doing cos mostly cosmetic stuff. So like veneers, crowns, and Invisalign, invisible orthodontics, that kind of stuff. And we moved more towards emergency dentistry and pain, pain focused stuff. And that required a lot of like Google focused stuff, Google ads, yeah, setting up a lot more local search based advertising traffic, but the chatbot still works the same no matter where the lead comes in from. With dental pain specifically, it's like it's all about keyword ranking and just uh, local presence and, and Google AdWords and maps presence, like showing up on Google maps and being one of the first numbers to pop up because that's just what people are going to do. And then having an automation to, to get those leads. Cause those are some of the mo most expensive leads you can pay for, for like marketing, but they're also usually some of the higher, like higher intent leads and higher package, you know, solutions or higher package uh, items that they're going to pay for. I, I was in ad tech for a while. I was at AppNexus uh, up until we were acquired by AT&T. Oh, wow. I'm familiar with the ad tech ecosystem. And, and one of the things that as, as you're talking about that, I'm like, yeah, the more specific you get, the better conversion you're going to get because the, the intent's more clearly defined. And if you're really good at it, you can really determine the, you know when somebody's going to act and you can only buy those ads, but they get progressively more expensive as you do that, right? As you target it better. I, I'm trying to imagine that time, right? Like I wasn't going to go into a dentist office. I don't know how many people, I was trying to avoid all human contact. Mm -hmm. I would have imagined that there, if you had dental pain, though you would have acted like if i had a broken tooth yeah. i'm going to the damn dentist yeah and that was that was pretty much it that was pretty much the only type of traffic available at that time was emergency dentist and even in a lot of states that was the only type of procedures that were legal what did that do to the price point on that if if it's the only thing available did it skyrocket or did you really see a change in the, the marketplace itself it did skyrocket it the price went up for sure but at the same time it kind of depended on where you were so like in the cities it absolutely was insane in other towns where basically the suburbs where people were just shutting it down the couple that stayed open were able to get pretty decent cost per lead and they were just i mean raking it in <laughs> like making so much money the only people in town you know they were the only ones open in town so it was not every single time it wasn't as as predictable as when everything was open and we were able to just throw money into any kind of campaign you want you just have to have good targeting this was like is select few clients and so it was a lot of work on our end to make sure we did the research and find out what towns are staying open and you know which ones were like had a viable chance of surviving the best predictor for long-term success of a company is often when there's something that goes drastically wrong like when there's something in the economy 2008 2000 1999 2000 2001 whenever we've had a major recession the big winners are the ones that found a way to survive and thrive during that rarely rough patch for everybody else and that's what you demonstrated during that time is you you made some major changes to your billing model. You've made some major changes to the way that you were uh, automating your business to become more efficient. And both of those things allowed you to not just survive, but to come out the other side of it in a in a fantastic position going forward. How did you make those decisions? I mean, was it just you had no choice or did you, uh, were you looking around the corner a little bit? It was a lot of I had no choice. It was a lot of talking to my clients. <laughs> that was like what, that's, that's what a lot of people That's it right do. there. <laughs> yeah. Right. You were talking to your clients. That was it. 
from talking to the people that were that were having that mindset because i mean we were working with almost 80 dentists by the time covid rolled around and it was time to shut down we had a whole list of people and you'd be surprised if you're sincere with people especially in a time like that like a crisis if you just are straight up with them and you're just like hey look i'm here i have this skill set to do this and this is how i can provide value how are you planning on making it and a lot of times the answer was like hey we're just going to rely on savings and wait this thing out and hopefully it's fine on the other side you know and for those people there's not much you can do right a lot of the top performers will level with you and just be like hey look man this is what we're doing to try to survive right now we think we can make this much from it and so here's how we're going to position our ourselves to do that and you just learn and you just take that and you share it with other people because like when you have a national audience you know you don't have to worry about having like competing dentists right next door and sharing you know sharing that kind of stuff so it's like this guy in miami was doing this and so then i talked to somebody in jacksonville florida is you know 600 miles away or whatever but still the same state same rules and everything so maybe he can pick something up and then maybe he'll appreciate that advice i gave him and, and that insight and use my services so we all kind of win we're getting short on time and I want to make sure that you've got a chance to let everybody know if they want to know more about Capri AI. You can find out more about Capri at CapriAI.us. That's our main website. And we are about to start expanding our capabilities quite a bit to a lot of different stuff. Definitely check it out. Also, the bigger thing that I wanted to talk about, which I didn't know I was going to nerd out so hard, is I'm sharing that same experience, the thing that I talked about today with, with actually having an agency and then solving this for myself and building a product and then selling that product now to other agencies. That whole journey can be replicated across any business. Business, right so if you're a lawyer if you own a doctor you know a, a medical practice if you are an accounting firm whatever having that SaaS product journey like the development life cycle we can help you like that's that's what i'm dedicated to is helping people get that emerging that emerging product to their offer so that way they can also have this same profit margins on a software on a SaaS product or about 50 times higher <laughs> than on a yeah. service-based business alone. There's a reason why the multipliers on uh, revenue for a SaaS are so much higher than the right. service-based business, right? How would somebody, if they wanted your help on doing that, is it, uh, are you consulting or, or how are you providing right. that? Yeah, so we we launched DAS Developers as a service. That's the consulting group that we're we're advising people on. So like right now, where we are working with a law firm who's had who had us build an AI research tool for their firm, and they're going to sell it to other firms. We had a photography developer have us automate using AI automate the Photoshop editing process. We're having ophthalmology group, I think is what it's called, the eye doctor. He's having yeah, us, yeah, he's having us build an app um, that's going to do use some AR VR to fit glasses to your face. Nice. And he's going to sell that to a bunch of other practices. So like these are all just things that originated from, again, somebody in that industry saw, saw the issue. They had a vision of how they think they can solve it. And then now we're helping them actually bring that to life. Super excited about doing all those projects and we can't wait to launch even more with how popular AI is becoming now. Fantastic. That actually sounds like a really compelling business model doing the developer as a service because there's so many, so many places out there today where the potential of technology has been left unfulfilled. The, the promise was undelivered. And a lot of those places are the 
just like you described, they're the professionals in the world that have some real needs. They have a need of automation or they have need of these different things, but they have no technical experience themselves. Yep. And so it's fantastic that you're helping them bridge that. And if you want to learn more with that, just work with das.com work with DAAS.com. And um, yeah, we've got developers all over the world. I'm a full stack developer myself. <laughs> I built Capri from the, from the ground up myself. And so I've done this many, many times and, and uh, I, I love it. That's what I'm passionate about. So happy to uh, talk to you about your idea and see if we can help bring it to life. Well, Quentin, it was actual huge pleasure. I love talking to other tech nerds. <laughs> and so I'd love to have you on the show. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much for having me, man. And uh, yeah, look forward to doing it again, maybe one day. And that's a wrap for this episode of TechTastic. I want to thank you personally for joining us and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep exploring and stay curious.